Yes, people, who want what is Friday, which you know is the last chin check of the week, and it's news day, right? So we are going to go over a lot of the stories, the things that have been going down in the MMA community, people. So sit back, because we're bringing it to you. So as we know, right, Bellator this evening, Bellator 258, continues their light heavyweight Grand Prix. And in the Grand Prix is the current light heavyweight champion. It's something Bellator does, right? With all their Grand Prix, they've included the champion. Hasn't necessarily made a whole heap of sense because... You have fighters outside of, um, you know, the Grand Prix. So, you kind of think you don't have the champion and the number one contender in the Grand Prix. Let them fight on a card outside. Then the winner of the Grand Prix can fight the winner. Right? That should always be the thing. You win the Grand Prix... Get you a title fight, right? But, yeah, having the champion in... Because what happens when the champion... If the champion wins the Grand Prix? You really... It's just... It's a weird move. It's a weird move. And at the time, you did think to yourself... Well, well, especially with this. Because this... It tied up the light heavyweight champion... And the heavyweight champion... Ryan Bader, the former lightweight champion, he's a current heavyweight champion, right? And then you've got, um, you know, Nemkov, who is the current champion, right? So you're just like, ugh, what does that mean for the other light heavyweights? Because from all accounts, this this tournament isn't ending until the end of the year, right? And uh, Coker, Scott Coker... He's kind of intimated to uh, interim championships. And, uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. It has just been announced that at Bellator 261, right, which will be taking place on the 25th of June, uh, we're going to see Timothy Johnson against uh, Valentin Modolski. Right, they're going to go at it for the interim light heavyweight belt. So, um, when you uh, look at this, uh, Moldowski, right, is a 29-year-old Russian fighter who is on a 10-1 and um, record. He came into Bellator uh, 2017. Right before that, he'd been fighting for uh, Risen over in Japan. Uh, yeah, where he got his last and only loss, right? That was against Amir Alabari on the end of year, f- um, on the end of year fight. We it was in the first round. No, actually, it was the final round of their uh, World Grand Prix at the time. So, he lost that fight, but went over to Bellator the following year. So, he made his debut in July 2017 um, and um, has won all of his fights since, right? So, he came in against Kyle Sumaratafafa. Uh, won that via decision, then beat Ernest James via a first round TKO, B- 
beat Linton Vasselli via a decision. Javi uh, Ayala via decision. And then Roy Nelson via a decision. The last two fights were both happened last year in 2020. Right? There's all um previous years he only had one fight a year. So yeah, that is um Moldowski. Timothy Johnson, right? Everyone probably knows Timothy Johnson. He um he fought in the UFC for a little while, had seven fights over there, went four and three. Uh went over to uh Bellator, Bellator. went over to Bellator October 2018, lost that fight. Right? Lost that initial fight. And then he fought um, Vitaly Minakov, lost that fight, right? Both knockouts, both in the first rounds. So, I think it would be fair to think, oh, Timothy Johnson is probably done. But he then turned over three, um, three finishes. He finished Tyrell Fortune. I think that was a uh, I think that was a shock. I believe he was an underdog going into that fight. So and that was February 2020. He knocked him out first round. He did the same to Matt Mitrione, knocked him out in the first round in August 2020. And then in October, in October 2020, he got a split decision avenging his loss. To check Congo. So, uh, yeah, that brings um, Tim Johnson into this interim heavyweight championship bout, which is an interesting one because there are other fighters, right? There are other, a few other fighters that you kind of think, ah, oh, I'm surprised that they didn't get a, uh, they didn't get a shot, but, you know, it's going to be Johnson against um, Moldovsky fighting for the belt. So, currently, the card of Bellator 261, it's not very um, packed, right? It, they, there's three fights on it. So, you had Miles Jury against Sydney Outlaw, Kyra Batara against Alina Ovochakokokov. And Isaiah Hockett against Aaron Hughes. So, um, yeah, I would imagine, because that last fight between Hockett and Hughes, I mean, Hockett, he, this is his pro debut, and Hughes, he's just got one pro fight. So, they're going to have to add a lot more onto this card. And it is the 25th of June, so that's not that far away. You know what I mean? It is not that far away. It is a weird thing Bellator do seem to do, right? They're, they're, oftentimes, they don't tell people about cards until it does seem the last minute. But hey-ho. Um, yeah, there's going to be more fights added because, yeah, there's a big title fight on this card, right? So, um, you know... We will see what happens. And then, right, as again, look, it's June. <laughs> so what will happen for uh, the new champion? Do they then wait and fight the winner of the Grand Prix, which won't happen until the end of the year? You know, so that means that fight isn't probably happening until 2022. Or does the interim champion defend that belt in the meantime? It is a weird situation, people. It really is. Because it, it seems a weird one defending an interim belt when you do have a current champion who um, is able to fight. But, yeah, we will, we will see what happens. You know what I mean? We will see... What happens? Well, 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 people, we are in week 
three of the PFL. And there's been some surprises, right? There's definitely been some surprises. You had um, Lance Palmer losing. You had Anthony Pettis losing, right? Kind of shocks to people. I think everyone had uh, both winning their first fights. But I kind of feel the biggest, I think, controversy, because I, I definitely, it does seem like it's a controversy, is what took place on Thursday night, right? You had um, the heavyweights, right? The heavyweights were there. So you had uh, Renan Ferreira. Going up against Fabricio Verdun. Right? It's a big fight. Who's going to win it? And um, turns out Ferreira won. But here's the thing. When you watch the video, he tapped. He tapped twice from being in a triangle. Twice he tapped. Clearly tapped Which is Yeah it's, it's a messy one Now he then gets on top And wins via knockout After landing ground and pound Right The Doom says He um, you know let the hold Go because of the Taps right Which I get And I don't get Right, because you know, I, I think you do get told hold shit until the referee takes it apart, right? Keep hitting until the ref jumps in. That's what people get told, right? So there is that, and then you kind of think the worst that happens is someone's going to sleep. Right, but then I get, you know, what I mean, I I get someone going. Okay, they're you know, what I mean, they're nearly out. They've tapped twice. I I I might as well release this hold. Right? What what's is there really a point in putting them to sleep in front of possibly their friends and family? You know what I mean? And I did also hear that. Once you get put to sleep, right, your body then will put you to sleep quicker because it's trying to protect you. That's what I heard. I don't know how true it is, but that's what I heard. Never been put to sleep, people. You know what I mean? Get out of those moves quick. Right? But um, yeah. Keith Peterson, who was the referee that night. Didn't see the taps. He was on the other side of Ferreira and um, the Doom. But it's caught on camera. It is caught on camera, and you do have the third official on the other side. Um, you know, outside looking at the monitors and all of that. So the big thing is here: should this be turned around? Yo, know, because. PFL, they work on their point system. So Ferreira gets six points. Yeah, which is uh, definitely a big jump. Putting him in the lead. You know, getting him some good, you know, leeway in the competition. And for Doom, no points whatsoever. Right? When potentially he would have had the six. So what do you do? Do you go with the knockout? Because it is, like, it is dishonest, right? There is a level of dishonesty there because Ferreira didn't just tap once. He tapped twice. Two times, people. Clearly two. And they're not, is that a tap? I, I don't know. I, could he have just been... Trying to, no, 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 these were both clear, very clear situations of someone tapping, 
So um, I find this a very interesting situation And I'm curious to see what might happen Right? Curious to see what might happen If I was for Doom, I'd be, yeah I, I think he might complain, right? Because when you look at, like last week Kai Kamara's, you know, team are complaining his loss to TJ Brown, which was a close situation, but not egregious, right, now this, I'd say this is pretty egregious, you know what I mean, so yeah, what's gonna happen, I am very, very curious to see, you know, if um, the PFL and the commission do something, yeah, I wonder, I mean, it would set a precedent, but if someone taps and taps twice, should that not be then the decision? It's very interesting because um, the UFC had just released some concussion protocols. Now, all... um. Major sports, you know, they have these So, NFL, NHL, um, NBA I believe the Premier League recently brought some in themselves um, So, yes, big sporting leagues they, they have these things, you know, to protect your fighters and athletes Boxing has them Now, some... Um, Obviously some people don't follow these things And it's hard for uh, the UFC to uh, enforce this right? Because fighters are individual contractors But, you know, I think they are looking to um, You know, have people utilise this information right? Because it makes sense Right, especially look, they they've given over the PI to any fighter under contract. So, hey, you can go there, free food, free um consultations, training, every single thing is free. Right, so you know what I mean to to kind of utilize this sort of information, it. It, it can only be beneficial So it is um, split up, right? Split up and it, it, it gives information over the different stages Right, so, um, you know, it's like First and foremost, right, the study recommends rest between 24 and 48 hours for a fighter who has just suffered a concussion, including rest from screen time of phones or computers. Uh, sleep is allowed, but monitoring is also advised for red flag symptoms that include nausea, double vision and severe or increasing headaches. Which definitely makes sense, right? Athletes are then advised to check their daily symptoms using the SCAT 5 concussion assessment tool and begin a gradual increasing exercise regime, moving from a two-stage no-contact phase, emphasizing cardiovascular exercise, to technique only MMA drills and strength training before attempting moderate contact. At the final stage, a weekly sparring session with no more than three five minute rounds is the starting point for a return to full contact. The protocol advises a physician's clearance to sign off before resuming normal training. Right, and at all uh, stages of the process, fighters are advised to check their daily symptom score from the concussion assessment and monitor for an additional symptoms. The protocol should be managed by a licensed healthcare provider. The study um, makes clear. And yeah, that seems, you know, 
pretty reasonable and and a sensible thing, you know. Because I think we we've seen you know, I think we we've seen how brain injuries can affect people. I mean, you you look at Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is a very big example, but there are countless countless boxers who um you just can't understand right you you can't understand their speech their health is severely deteriorated we have um a lot of like nfl players who you know, how many times have you read like ex nfl player kills family kills people does something right when Ever and in all of those situations, whenever they cut the brain open, they see that the CCT is so severe. Right? Happens in um professional wrestling. Chris Benoit is one of the hugest examples of that, but there are so many others. So many. So I mean, MMA being such a young sport, we haven't seen a whole slew of crazy examples. Now, there are people like Spencer Fisher, who, uh, you know, we, we kind of heard about recently. And you can notice it in some fighters, but I don't think we have had a whole heap of... Egregious examples But again it's a, it's a very young sport Right so you know that These things are most likely to come And It makes sense to try And look after that stuff Right to, to Take these steps now Before things Hit a level where it's like Ooh There is no coming back from this Or um you know, it wouldn't have been as bad if they had done. So this is a huge step in the right direction, I kind of feel. And uh, it would, you know, it'd be silly. Be silly for fighters to just look at this and poo-poo it. Right? And think, ah, I'm I'm too tough. I, you know what I mean? I can, you know, I, I can train still. It was just a small knock down. I'm fine. You know what I mean? It's just take the time, rest. Right? Because end of the day, what's gonna happen when you retire? You know what I mean? What's gonna happen then? You know, so yeah, look after yourself now before it's too late, you know? I don't think it's been a secret that the women's featherweight division is um it's on thin ice, right? And that's not for any reason to do with Amanda Nunes, right? It is just that featherweights, they're hard to come by, right? They're very hard to come by. Listen, when you, um, you know, look at the PFL, right? They're having, uh, you know, they're having trouble, right? So, uh, Kayla Harrison, you know, she fights for them, she's, um, I think she's fighting 155 pounds, right, that's what uh, Clarissa Shields is coming in at, so, you know, they're fighting a lightweight, right, which makes it even tougher, because you're like, oh, fuck, who who the hell do you have at, at that weight class? That's kind of that's kind of crazy, right? You have fighters like Catelyn Young, who has moved up. You know, Young isn't a lightweight. She's fought a lot lower than that. So it's you know it, it it's a situation where you have created a weight class that, that you know what I mean? when featherweight doesn't exist. And then you go lightweight, right? It it it's a struggle. It's it's a struggle, 
you know? So that's the big question right now. Who is around that could, yeah, could fight at featherweight, right? That is the currently the big issue. Um, and Nunes, you know, told Combate that Dana, Dana White is, um, yeah, he, he, he's thinking of shutting the, shutting down the division. Now, Nunes wants to keep it open, right? And obviously she wants to keep it open because it makes her a champ champ, right? Multi, multi-divisional champion, which you know, there's definitely prestige. Especially when you're defending both belts, right? So, I believe Cormier defended both the um, light, heavy, and the heavyweight belts, but most times that doesn't happen, you know. So it's big that she's done it on multiple occasions, but um, yeah, you you kind of think, well, how long can that go on for, right? How long can it go on for? Because Megan Anderson and Felice Spencer, they are the two, um, yeah, they're the two people at featherweight that you go, yeah, they're kind of featherweights, right? No one else is, right? Most, you know, they're lightweight. They're, um, sorry, bantamweights that have moved up, right? So, you then get a situation where you're just like, well, Nunes is just going to win that fight, right? So we don't see any real contenders, but I I think when you look at any of these divisions, you know, at the very beginning, there wasn't necessarily the people there. But once you have something, it creates a situation, right? It creates a void, a vacuum that is waiting to be filled. So I think it's a case of how quickly can this happen? Now, with the um, you know, UFC institutes in China um and other places are looking to build, I think these kind of places could possibly help that to happen. Right? Because we do see um athletes right we see plenty of female athletes in the olympics and other places who uh, are competing at a larger weight class so it is a situation where you know over time we might see people come to it but right now it's not there so does the weight division stay open like Nunes wants, or will it get cut? Because I do feel an atom weight division is coming, you know, and I imagine we're going to get an ultimate fighter to fill that void. But, you know, when? <laughs> when? Possibly, maybe an ultimate fighter to find fighters to um fill the featherweight division. Who knows? Right, because it's not even a case of oh well, let's look at Invicta. What what have they got? You know, because they basically brought the straw weight from Invicta over to make the uh, strawweight division for the UFC. You know, and the flyweights, but yeah, they don't have them. So it is a uh, a situation where you do kind of go, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Right, don't know what's gonna happen, but I guess. I think it's something that we'll find out, you know, in the coming months. And I don't probably feel there's a, you know, a big kind of push to go either way. So we'll wait and see. It'll be nice, to, you know, it'd be nice for it to change, for people to appear. But um, only time can tell, people. Only time can tell. Right, so after blowing the roof off UFC 261, man, Kamara Usman really, really put a stamp on that rivalry with uh, Jorge Mastodal, right? And um, he's looking for a fight. You know, he's uh, been out there talking recently. And uh, because after the fight, he said he wanted a rest, right? Said he wanted a rest, which you can understand. You know, he was with his family He's just won this big rivalry Retained the belt 
So, yeah, you, you sometimes you say things. Now, though, after sitting down thinking, assessing his fitness, he wants back in. Right? And um, he recently sat down with uh, ESPN and he had a few things to say. Right? So, uh, yeah. He's basically, right, this is what he said. Because I'm just in this place in my career and I've come to this realisation where I understand I've been through so much with my body. I've had seven surgeries and those are long extended times in between camps. It makes each fight feel like it's a brand new first fight and I don't like that feeling. It comes with a lot of anxiety. Now, pile on the fact that you are a world champion. Now, pile on the fact that you are from a different continent and the whole continent is on your shoulders. Now, pile on the fact that everyone's talking crap. You're not that good. This and that. It just becomes so much to bear. My body is starting to come together where... If I can, why not? Why not stay active? You can tell I fought three fights in the last nine months to where some guys haven't fought three fights in three years. I'm just trying to stay there. You know, so um yeah, I mean that's pretty uh that's pretty decisive, right? But the word was Kobe Covington would be next And Hey Usman has stuff to say about that Right so he's like I'm not gonna say I don't want the fight I want all the smoke It doesn't matter who it is I want all the smoke At the end of the day It's what have you done to earn this Your claim to fame can't be Oh I went five rounds And then the guy broke my jaw And finished me that can't be your claim to fame. Mazdaval went five rounds with me too. Tyrone Woodley went five rounds with me. You can't sit around and fight three fights in three years and expect to get a title shot when I just fought three times in nine months. The champion can't be the most active guy in the division. I've been through the whole division and now I'm coming back around So everyone's sitting around and going, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next I don't really believe in that Show me something, show me some activity Leon Edwards, granted, he was kind of stuck in that funky spot Where he didn't fight for two years and that set him back But look at the guy since he fought me, he's put together an impressive resume, putting together an eight-fight win streak or something like that. You got Michael Chiesa putting together a four-fight win streak. You got Vicente Luque coming back and putting on a four-fight win streak and finishing these guys. So why does he deserve this shot? Just because he went five rounds and then I broke his jaw and finished the fight. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, which, um, I mean, it's a, it's a fair thing. It's a fair thing. But you've got to look at it and go, well, Leon is tied up. He's fighting Nate Diaz at uh, as the co-main event for UFC 263. Right, so um, you know, what happens? Does Usman wait and fight the winner? Right, and um, you know, he he spoke on that. Like, yes, I do want to see how those play out because there's a lot of implications. If Leon looks spectacular and makes sense, if Nate looks spectacular, that could make sense as well. With the whole Marvin and Israel situation, I don't necessarily want to think about that. I'm 100% behind Izzy, and I think he can put it out. I love Marvin as well, but I think Izzy can pull that one out. He's done it before, and I think he can, and I don't think he will. But if there was a case to where I would actually go up and challenge for the belt... 
it would be without Izzy being in the picture. So if Izzy's not champ, then it's something I could look, take a look at. Alright, so if you look at the welterweight division, okay, so the number one contender is Covington, number two is Gilbert Burns, number three is Leon Edwards, number four is Stephen Thompson, all of those are currently, you know, they currently got fights, Thompson is fighting Burns, Leon is fighting uh, Diaz, so then at number well at number five is Massival, who um Usman just beat. At number six is Kiesa and Luke. Right? Then you go um Damian Meyer, Neil Magny, Jeff Neil, Lee Jing Yong, Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady. You know what I mean? And then you've got like Robbie Lawler, Kamzat, right? And you have people that haven't really been active Now, Sean Brady would be a fun fight Right, Sean Brady is on I think it's like a 14 fight win streak You know, had 4 fights in the UFC I believe Finished all of those And he looks tough But he is number 13 Now, I think you can look at I mean, You look at rankings And they don't necessarily mean anything You know, because if things happen, right, people can definitely jump up and get in there. If a champion wants a fight a lot, you know, that can get made. You know, so, I, I, you know, there are possibilities here, but I don't think Kiesa gets the fight. Don't I don't think he gets a fight. And I would say that's probably partly because of... Well, you look at the resume. Now, he's definitely won some big fights, but you then have to go, who who in the welterweight division, which big names has he knocked off? You know? So his last fight was Magni. He beat Rafael das Anjos. You know? Um, Diego Sanchez. And, um, and, no, who was the other one? Hmm, uh, Carlos Condon, yes, of course, Carlos Condon, right? And, I mean, looking at those, like, Rafael Dasanos is a big name, but he is very, he is small for that division. He himself has, you know, said, yeah, he's kind of small for that welterweight division, Right, and um, you know Neil Magny isn't a title contender, so you kind of be like they're good. Hey, they're good wins for sure. They are good wins. There's no doubt about that. But are they the wins to get you a title shot? You know. So I I think if he didn't have a fight, Stephen Thompson, that that's something that could have happened. But because he's tied up with Burns. So, if he really wants a fight, possibly they pull Thompson from Burns. You know, we could get Kobe against um, Gilbert instead. You know, Thompson against um, Usman. That would be a fun fight. That would be a fun... Because, that's the thing. If Usman wants a fight real quick. If he wants a fight real quick because, you know... Edwards, Diaz, that fight is now happening in June because of Diaz's injury. So I don't think we're going to see, um, like, Usman fight in, in June and July if he has to wait for the winner of that one. That's not going to... Unless, you know, I mean, Leon can... If he stops Diaz in the first round, maybe he agrees to turn it around that quick. I have a feeling Leon won't. You know what I mean? I think just on past situations, 
uh, yeah, Leon ain't gonna, you know, because he when he got offered to fight last year on Fight Island, he was just like, I short notice, I don't want to take a title shot on short notice. So I yeah, I don't envision that happening. So if Usman really wants a fight quick, I think the the only thing to do would be Covington, right? Or you pull Stephen Thompson from his fight with Burns. You put Burns against Covington and Usman against Thompson. Have them happen on the same card. So then, if there is an injury, boom, they can slip in and fight Usman. I mean, that might be the thing to do. Otherwise... He's he's fighting Covington. <laughs> I think he's probably fighting Covington regardless. But if you really don't want to make that fight now, that would be the only other thing to do. You know? Oh, what do you think, people? What do you think? Well, people, as you know, UFC on ESPN 24 is happening on Saturday night. So it's Friday, the weigh-ins have been done And um, the main event is set, people Huzzah! Right, so, uh, you know, as as known, right We had um, stuff fall out Stuff fell out So we didn't get the main event we thought we were going to But all was fine because... Michelle Waterstone and Marina Rodriguez stepped in to save the day. And uh yeah, they they weighed um 125 pounds for Rodriguez, 125 for um Waterstone, right? So uh that is all good, right? That's a good thing. We are good to go. On that front But You know Other things didn't go as much To plan Right so there was a uh, There was a bout Between um, Oh gosh Uh, My mind has gone blank Ryan Benoit Yes Ryan Benoit And Zoryak Adeshev Right, it's a flyweight bout as well. Now, Adashev came in at 125 and a half. Benoit, though, 129 pounds. 129 pounds on his second attempt. For the first time, yeah, he uh, he was very unstable on the scales. Right, very unstable. So definitely shows a Bad weight cut uh, So being 126 pounds Right flyweight 125 Pound allocation So that means he's 3 pounds Over the limit And I mean this is the second time he This has happened for him Which Is not good Right it, it, It's not good Right I mean, you you sign up for a weight class, got to make that weight, right? Now, if it was a, a short notice situation like uh, Waterstone and Rodriguez, you know, then you can kind of understand it. But even then, you sign the contract. So why would you sign a contract if you are vastly out of shape, right? I think. A big thing is what we what we saw from you know when the the lockdown opened up and UFC fights could continue. We saw that a hey, things can change at any moment, right? Fights were dropping out, people were jumping into replace, and the people that kept in shape, people that kept in shape. They benefited greatly, right? They benefited greatly. Now, this had been ta- this has been talked about on numerous occasions, on numerous occasions. So every fighter on the roster knows, 
if I keep in shape, right, and I keep an eye on shit, I could jump in and grab fights. You know, you had people that weren't on the roster move to LA. Not LA, Las Vegas even, right? Move to Vegas. And then, as soon as a fight dropped, they got their managers to call and be like, yo, my fighters here, they're on weight, they can do this, and they get signed, right? We have seen that happen at least a couple of times, right? So this is information everyone has. So for a fighter like Benoit, a veteran in the sport, to come in heavy, it's so... It's so unprofessional So unprofessional Right, if if he's ill Listen, if he's ill That is, you know what I mean, that's not great Right, that's obviously not great But You would say Let the UFC know that Right Let the UFC know what your, what your situation is And then they could have Possibly got a replacement in or done something else because you know now there is just a mess, right? There is a mess. Your opponent made weight. You did not. You did not. And you know what your body is like. You have already struggled to make this weight before. So you know what your body is like. So there are parameters that you must set yourself and go, okay, at this stage of my camp. I have to be at this weight. At this stage, I have to be at this weight. And if you're struggling with that, there is the PI. There is a PI. As mentioned, the PI is absolutely free. Free for your tests, right? Free for the food, free for any of the training facilities. It is free. So there is no excuse. No excuse. So even though Benoit he 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 came in on a second occasion and weighed 129 pounds, the fight was eventually cancelled due to the weighing issues. And I imagine it's mainly because on the first occasion he was so unstable on the scales. I mean that in itself is a huge red flag. And you don't want people fighting who look that bad and exhibit those, you know, signs and symptoms, right? So, yeah, that fight is off. Um, another fight, unfortunately, is also off. And, ah, it's a fight that was, you know, I was looking forward to, right? We had Ben Rothwell against uh, Philip Linz. That was the... Um, Last fight on the prelims That was going to see us through to the main card And you have to go, yo, that's a good fight for that Now Rothwell, he came in He weighed 264.5 pounds Right? But Linz didn't show up for the weigh-ins He didn't show up for the layings And um, it was announced later on That he was medic. He, you know, hadn't been medically cleared to compete in other words, Lynn's had a bad weight cut. So again, came in heavy, right? It's heavyweight. It's like, what are you doing? Now, obviously, there is a cap. It's 265 pounds. But when you have a guy like Rothwell who can make it, Philip Lynn should make it. It's not Philip Lynn's first fight. In the UFC You know yeah, it is, It's frustrating It is very frustrating That You know this happens But you have to kind of think to yourself You have fighters That really want to be on these cards Right Really want to be on these cards And then you have other people that Just do not handle their business Professionally Miss weight Fights get cancelled, and that could have been people that wanted, you know, wanted, trained properly, got their body prepared properly. They could have had that slot. 
And uh, they weren't the only other ones, right? One other fighter missed weight. Right? One other fighter missed weight. So we had on the main card a fight between Diego Ferreira and Gregor Gillespie. Right? So that's a lightweight clash. Which means the limit is 156 pounds. So Diego Ferreira. Um, well, I mean, let's uh, let's firstly, Gregor Gillespie. He weighed 156 pounds. He was bang on, boom, did his job. Ferreira though came in at 160 and a half pounds. Yeah, so four and a half pounds over the limit. Hey, it is it's crazy, right? Crazy. And also, it is the second time Ferreira has missed weight. So uh, he has agreed to hand over 30% of his purse to Gillespie. I mean, it's not so much agreed. He missed weight, right? So for the fight to happen, that's what has to happen. And uh, Gillespie has agreed, and you got to give it to Gillespie. Got to give it to Gillespie for agreeing to take this fight because it is four and a half pounds over. And you know, come tomorrow, Ferreira isn't stepping into the octagon. At 160 and a half pounds. Right? So you gotta think, what will he actually weigh on fight night? Now, there are um I know some commissions they then give you a percentage, right? So they weigh you before the fight and you can't be a certain percentage over what you you know weighed in at, but you're still gonna be heavier. Right, which is still a huge advantage over your opponent. Right, so Gillespie has to have mad props for doing that. Definitely understand why. Right, because remember he hasn't fought since, oh, I want to say October twenty nineteen. Right, definitely twenty nineteen. I believe it is. It was October when he fought um, in uh, Madison Square Gardens against Kevin Lee. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he rested a while because that was a bad knockout, right? Which makes sense. But he's going to be so eager to get back in, right? So for this to happen, you, you understand why he was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Just, I want to fight, right? I want to fight. Definitely understand that. But that's a tough one because Ferreira is... For for whatever this bullshit is, he is a very tough opponent, right? So for Gillespie, he, he's having to fight a very tough opponent who is now considerably heavier. So he has a big advantage in that, right? Which is a thing because Gillespie is all about takedowns, that ground and pound, taking you down, holding you there, right, when you're a bigger person, it's harder, it's harder to get those takedowns, right, it's harder to implement that game plan, so, yeah, this is, it's a crazy one, right, it's a crazy one, and we'll have to see how that all turns out, so, um, the other fighters on the card, co-main event was Donald Cerrone against Alex Moreno. Uh, Cerrone, 170. Moreno, 170 and a half. So that's all good. Neil Magny, 170 and a half. Jeff Neal, 170 and one. Had a another heavyweight clash on the card. Morris Green against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Now, de Lima... He's at 164 and a half. Morris Green, 237 pounds. Right? I, 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 I believe that is definitely lighter than Green last fall. So that's a big one. Right? So Green must be working on that card, which is a good thing. 
That's definitely, that's huge right there. Because we did see, man, Green, he gets gassed. He has been getting gassed in a few of his fights. So, hey, this is a huge step in the right direction for Green. I'm definitely interested to see how he's going to perform on Saturday night. So that's something. Angela Hill for her strawweight clash against Amanda Hibas. Um, Hill's 116 pounds. Hibas, 115 and a half. Um, you had Carl Dukas and Philip Hawes for the middleweight clash. Both 186 pounds. Uh, we got Ludwig Klein against Michael Trezano for their featherweight, both 146 pounds. Young Young Park against Tafon Nuwazagi, middleweights again, both again, 186 pounds. And then you've got the welterweight clash between Christian Aguilera and Colston Harris. Both weighed 170 and a half pounds. So, um, yeah, we still get fights, which is definitely good. But unfortunately, we will be missing out on, um, on some of the fights we were looking forward to. So uh, the card is now 10. 10 fights, but hey, we've got 10 good fights, people. So there is that. So definitely still looking forward to all of this and interested to see how um how people like Green and Gillespie get on. So uh yeah. Let us see people, let us see. Okay people, so that's it. We um we're done. We're done for another episode. Before we go, though, let's take a look and see if there's been any fight announcements, alright? So, um, it looks like Bellator have signed the LFA lightweight champion, Nick Brownie. Man, that's a big move for Brownie, signing a multi-fight contract over at Bellator. Yo, yo. Okay, so um, Jose Alvarez is out of his fight against Christoph Gage at UFC 262 on the 15th of May. But all is good for Gagas because Sean Sereno is stepping into that fight. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on that card, right? So, also, right, Leon Edwards, Nick Diaz was meant to happen. It was the co-main event. It's no longer happening. But it means, hey, a fight gets elevated. This time, it's Tony Ferguson against Bernal Darush. That is the new co-main event. And, um, yo, Tony's been there before, but... I don't know, I think this might be um, Dariush's first co-main event So that is huge for him So, um, yeah, nice Now, the following week on the 22nd of May Daniel Wolf, you know, who came via last year's Contender Series She's out of her fight with Felicia, Felicia Spencer uh, but Norma Dumont is stepping in to take that fight Which is, I mean that's good Because Dumont was, um, yeah she's considering dropping a weight class But she was thinking her next fight would be at a, uh, you know, featherweight So this means, hey, that's gonna happen Alright, so we then jump to June And um, Marcin Pre- Prakneo is going to be fighting Ike Villeneuve uh, on the 26th. That's a good fight. And then on the 17th of July, Amanda Lemos will be fighting Montserrat Raouz. Ah, that's a great fight, people. That's a great fight. Now, in August on the 28th, we will see a rematch between Ketlin Vieira 
and Sarah McMahon, which is an interesting one, right? And um, big news here, right? So, uh, you know, with Valentina Shevchenko being so dominant in the flyweight division, you think, what's going to happen? Well, UFC have, um, yeah, just signed a new flyweight who, um, I don't know, might be a contender for that uh, strap. So it is Mandy the Monster Boing. She's a German uh, fighter. She is currently 7 0 with one no contest. And she is the um, TKO flyweight champion. Right? She's, uh, yeah, won a lot of fights via. Um, Submission, rear naked choke is her go-to, and she's got some TKOs. So that's uh that's a decent signing, people. And um, yo, so props to that, and um, yeah, making Germany proud. But people, that is it. We are done for another week, and um Enjoy the weekend's fights, people. Bellator tonight, UFC tomorrow, and we will see you on Monday to recap. Until then, 